Sentire Media. You're listening to a history of Italy. Episode 99. The Visconti lose Milan, then take it back again. E non posso più accucciarmi e così ritorno su. Lasci colli nelle valli, tra due salici piangenti. Io ritrovo la speranza di un amore che ormai fu. In the last episode, we saw Matteo Visconti take his place as Lord of Milan. Officially with the temporary title of Captain of the People, but de facto setting up a hereditary rule. Indeed, as we mentioned, it would be the hereditary part that would eventually cause the problems. Matteo had five sons, Galeazzo, Lucchino, Marco, Stefano and Giovanni. There will be a pop quiz on that later. No, obviously there won't be, don't worry. Now, you always want a member of the family in the clergy, because that is also a source of power, riches and influence, and so that was Giovanni. Galeazzo was the eldest, so the heir, which left three spares. Among the spares, it was Marco, who was the most talented military leader. Does anyone see a problem with the firstborn not being the most talented military leader? Of course you do, and we'll get there soon enough. In the year 1300, Matteo made quite a match for Galeazzo when he hitched him up with Beatrice d'Este. The Este family by now, as well as Ferrara, also had control over Modena, where Ferraris are from, and also balsamic vinegar, and my own little Reggio Emilia. If you happen to have the chance to listen to the Borgia episodes that I did in collaboration with Assassinations podcast, you remember that Lucrezia Borgia ended up being the Duchess of Ferrara. Anyway, Matteo then put true power in the hands of his son by making sure that Galeazzo got the title of Capitano del Popolo. Then, Galeazzo set to making a mess, particularly picking fights with different cities in different parts at the same time and running around trying to put out all of the fires he had set. The people of Milan were very quickly very sick of this and, hey presto, the Della Torre were back in the driver's seat again. You will remember from the last episode that the Della Torre were the opposing family of Milan to the Visconti. Matteo at this point decided to retire to a farm in Peschiera del Garda, on Lake Garda, and Galeazzo fled to his father-in-law in Ferrara. The head of the Della Torre by this time was a certain Guido, and he did a pretty good job. So much so that the Milanese spontaneously granted him the role of captain of the people in perpetuity. Things could have gone on in this way for quite a while, had it not been for the arrival in 1310 of would-be Holy Roman Emperor Henry VII, that is, Henry of Luxembourg. 
His bright idea was to impose peace on the two warring factions, and so the Visconti were allowed back into the city. At this point there was the crowning of the emperor. If you remember, there was the whole farce with the fact that they couldn't find the iron crown of the Lombards to crown him with, and ended up having a new one made. It then turned out that the Della Torre had actually pawned the ancient crown to get out of some of their debts. At this point, the emperor caught the Milanese VIPs unaware by asking what present they would now offer him. There was a lot of embarrassed silence and foot shuffling and looking at the floor. Then one man indicated that another, called Guglielmo della Posterla, should decide the present. You can forget that name if you want. I couldn't really find out why he was chosen. Maybe the guy that pointed him out just panicked and didn't like him, and maybe Guglielmo did actually have the title of official present chooser. In any case, the poor guy didn't know what to do, and so he suggested a sum of 50,000 gold florins. At this point, Matteo Visconti, back in town from his farm, wanted to make sure that his voice was heard, so he suggested another 10,000 for the empress. No one actually agreed to this, but the notary who was jotting down the proceedings wrote it down in his book, and so it was official. At this point, Guido della Torre, annoyed at the city he ruled over, having to fork out all that cash, sarcastically commented, why not make it an even 100,000? And, unfortunately for him, the notary also wrote that down. A big mess followed, with intrigue and plots that may or may not have involved both the Visconti and the Della Torre, but the end result was that the Della Torre got chucked out again and the Visconti were back in again, this time for good, or at least for the next almost two centuries. Matteo was made Vicario Imperiale, representative of the empire again in 1311, and could start expanding again, which meant that the Pope could start worrying again. The man in question passed from Clement V, who died in 1314, to John XXII in 1316, after a two-year interregnum. Remember, of course, that the papacy at the time was in Avignon. Matteo managed to expand so much to the west, that is, the left if you like, that he was starting to run out of land, and had his excellent military leader's son, Marco, start to threaten the maritime republic of Genoa. The Pope decided it was time to intervene. He sent Robert of Naples to counter Marco, and he named Robert his own representative in the north. At the same time, an army from France was making its way down. The French army was met by Marco and his forces, but no fighting ensued. You see, Marco had barrels of cash, literally barrels, and that put an end to the hostilities. By the year 1322, 
the Visconti had ruled over Milan for over a decade and had brought it to a level of power whose only rival in the north was Venice. In that time, the Pope had excommunicated Matteo three times. Not only him, but his children, his children's children, and his children's children's children. Four generations of Visconti. He also put an interdict on the city of Milan and sent a team of inquisitors to accuse the Visconti of various crimes. Marco went out to meet the inquisitorial squad with an angry-looking Visconti army, so they decided it would be a wise decision to go and hold their court elsewhere. The 24th of June, 1322, saw the end of the first real phase of Visconti domination when Matteo Visconti died. Now, we'll take a quick peek ahead, although we are getting a bit ahead of ourselves. Just because Matteo Visconti had died, it didn't mean that the Pope also buried his grudge. Far from it. At this point, having seen that various excommunications and curses and unpleasant letters had not worked, John XXII felt that it was time for a good old crusade. Against the Visconti, of course. He put together an army made up of papal forces, Florentines, and, of course, who could not be missing in an anti-Visconti crusade, the Della Torre faction. At first, the crusading army started out quite well, making it all the way to the walls of Milan. Here, the army settled in for the siege and did all they could do to rub the situation in. The Florentines organised horse races and they even set up a mint to coin money to show that they were sure enough of their position to set up an installation that could not easily be dismantled in a short time. Oh, and of course, this army assembled in the name of God also did its fair share of raping and pillaging. Time, however, was on the side of the besieged, for the invading army was an alliance, and an alliance in medieval Italy was never very stable to begin with cracks started to show. If you add to this the military prowess once again of Marco Visconti and the news of the arrival of yet another would-be Holy Roman Emperor, Ludwig or Louis, and it spelt defeat for the Crusade. Things were made official at the Battle of Vaprio Dada in 1324 on the 28th of February. The papal forces, commanded by Raimond of Cordoba, had been in the city of Monza and had left to occupy the small town of Vapriodadda to block off the advance of the Visconti army. When the Milanese arrived, they laid siege to the town and soon the papal forces, who had no supplies, were forced to seek open battle. Things went badly from the very start. The Visconti archers started by causing havoc among the papal troops. Then the Visconti set fire to the town. 
the Roaring Inferno forced Cordoba's army back towards the river Adda, with the Milanese cavalry blocking off all other exit routes. At this point, a charge of the heavy Allied German cavalry was ordered, and the defeat turned into a massacre. Of the 1,000 knights the papal forces had brought to the battle, only 200 survived, only 20%. Monza was soon taken again, and there Galeazzo built a formidable fortress with a prison that would soon get a rather nasty reputation. The Visconti were now back in full control. Obviously, what do you do when your enemies are vanquished? Well, you turn against each other, of course. You will remember that we wondered if it would not cause trouble that Marco Visconti was not the heir, but was the most capable military leader. Well, he called down Ludwig from Germany again to have him crowned King of the Kingdom of Italy, which by now was a real farce, but anyway... While he was there, wouldn't you know it, Galeazzo, Lucchino, and even the clergyman Giovanni Visconti were all arrested, with Stefano mysteriously dying. Ironically, they were imprisoned in the same unpleasant prison in Monza they had just had built. However, Marco soon understood that he had bet on the wrong horse and that the days of the Barbarossas and Frederick wonders of the world were long, long gone. He ended up throwing himself out of a window. The Visconti would continue to rule Milan for generations, and if you consider the Sforza a continuation of the Visconti through the female line, you could say they got all the way up to the 1500s and the start of foreign domination over Italy. The symbol of the Visconti was that of a sea serpent in the act of swallowing the prophet Jonah, and it is to this day an important symbol of Milan. It is also the symbol of the Milanese Alfa Romeo car company and of the Italian TV network Canale Cinque Channel, belonging to one of the most famous, for good or ill, sons of Milan in the 20th century, i.e. Silvio Berlusconi. For now then, we'll leave Milan to her own devices. We have other places to visit. Thanks very much to everyone for listening. In particular, I would like to take a moment to thank my lovely Patreon supporters, Anthony G, Brian Jones, Celine, Chanel, Chris, David L, Dean V, Douglas, Elizabeth, Greg, Ignazio, Jeffrey W, Old John in Milwaukee, Kevin, Marxist Leninist Sicilian, Neville, Paradise, Patricia Kappa, Peter W, Rene B, Roberta D, Rodney N, the Question Master, Rudy F, Sam, Scott, Shelby, and Stephen, and the Tippy Top, Maria Montessori, and Dante Ligieri Level, Paolo, Lisa K, J W, Andrew M, Brandon S, Maxime. David A, and of course, Sen. Remember that if you'd like to get in touch, 
ask a question, say hello, share some sort of deep philosophical thought, you can at hello at ahistoryofitaly.com. At the same URL, you can click through to our social media or go to the support page where you can become a Patreon supporter and have access to extra content. I've just added a whole bunch of stuff and I'm in the process of writing a new news cappuccino feature on unusual Italian political parties past and present. At the website, you can also find timelines and maps to help you navigate our country's complicated history. Thanks very much once again to everyone for listening, and until next time, which will be episode 100, with a few little surprises, arrivederci. Hello, fellow citizen. Yes, well, you know how you wanted a, a well in administration and a title? Yes, I wish to do my part for the city. Good, because the Council of the 800 have decided to grant you a great honour. I knew it! I knew my day would come! What is it? Captain of the people? Podesta? City Elder? You have been nominated? Yes? The official Imperial Present Chooser. Oh, uh, uh, well, I, I like the Imperial part, but what exactly is a Present Chooser? Don't worry, you'll see soon enough. Okay, well, do I get a, a standard or, or a badge or something? Um, yes, you can have a... Uh, a badge, I suppose. Oh, goody. My loyal subjects, thank you for this pretty crown. It may not be the original one, but it will have to do. Now, about my coronation present. Yes, your um, imperial wonderfulness. We have here Guglielmo, the official imperial present chooser. Ah, ah, yes, well, um... Uh, I have to announce the present, okay, so, uh, w which we obviously already thought about, um, well, food baskets can be nice, we, we, um, we had a good turnip harvest this year. What? You wish to engrace your emperor with turnips? Uh, no, no, um, that was just, just for starters, uh, I mean, uh, we also have, um, uh, do we have some... Bits of dead saint we could spare somewhere? Perhaps you would like to offer me a more monetary gift? Ah, ah yes, of course, yes, I was just getting there. Yes, um, we have decided a donative of 50... Mm. 50 50,000 mm. 50, gold florins? Good, that is satisfactory. Let the notary write that down. Wait, when I, Matteo Visconti, was captain of the people, we would not have been so, so rude. What about the empress? 
Surely we can spare an extra 10,000 for our empress. Ah, Miss Conti, how very generous. Thank you. Write that down, no, Terry? At this point, why not make it an even 100,000? No, no, d don't write that down! Ah, fair city of Milan, you are far too kind. Well, I must go make some room for all that cash now. No, no, hold on! You suck. What? Are you writing that down too? Oh, I give up. Sentire Media. Hey, podcast producers and show hosts. Do you want to join a podcast network that celebrates all things Italian? At Sentire Media, we understand the allure of Italy and its unique culture. Our devoted team of hosts and producers are all driven by their shared passion for Italy. And we work tirelessly to create the best lifestyle podcasts and content that will whisk you away to the very heart of Italy. With us, you can savor the mouth-watering flavors, get lost in the stories from the past, break down the cultural barriers, and truly immerse yourself in the vibrant traditions of this intoxicating country. If you have a great podcast idea or are already in production and would like to join Sentire Media, head over to sentiremedia.com, that's S-E-N-T-I-R-E media.com, and find out how to submit your show.